Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I remember how you made me crazy. I remember how I made you scream. <laughs> and I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which released in 1978, based on the novel by Jack Finney, written by W.D. Richter, and directed by Philip Kaufman. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows a group of people who are living in San Francisco. We follow Brooke Adams and Donald Sutherland as they start to notice how their loved ones around them are starting to lose major personality traits and emotions. As the two of them start to investigate what's going on, they realise they might be running out of time until they have to escape. Help! Help! They're coming! They're coming! Listen to me! No, listen! Please, you're an expert in danger. Please listen to me. So this is a remake of the uh, of the original 1956 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, directed by Don Siegel. Mm. Now Philip Kaufman didn't set out necessarily to do a remake, but a reimagining, and he really wanted to get into the source material. He didn't see it as a remake of the film, but more as a delving more into what the novel had to offer. Yeah, and he wanted to explore. Some of the themes in there that maybe the other film didn't necessarily cover. Yeah. And that namely was this this circle of characters, this band of friends and the humanity that they have and the love for each other and how the alien kind of strips that away. Yeah. And that being the, the, the threat that these aliens pose. Yeah. I mean, I kind of started with the series backwards. I, I saw the 1993 army base movie. Ah, the Abel Ferreira version. Yeah, yeah, you know, I saw that one first and that got me kind of interested to go back and see what, what all the fuss was with, with the originals. And I saw this one maybe like mid-teens before my 20s and, and the black and white one. And the black and white version is like... Very 1950s-esque, you know, it's got, it's, it's, it's major, like, who goes there, they're like, you know, the invasion of these, these, these pod-like people, and kind of America kind of saving the day at the end. Well, it was also, I mean, it's an absolute classic, yeah, and it is yeah. still also a very, very good film, uh, but uh, it, it, it's one of those films that has that underpinning America fear of communism. Yes, yes, the kind totally. of like the subtext, even though it's not intended in the film, it's become almost like a part of it. Yeah, but it, it is absolutely a classic. And uh, this, even though I would say this is a superior remake, oh, definitely, and, definitely, uh, it, it definitely doesn't take anything away from that original one. But I would say there's two other invasion snatcher films, like the one you mentioned. And yeah, that Abel Ferreira one just for me felt like a sci fi made for TV movie. Yeah, it was yeah. so reduced in scale and scope it's got no budget and obviously if you know the story that what you're watching you know what's going to happen but and then the daniel craig one in 2007 uh, like yeah. at least they tried to do something a little bit different but again it was so mediocre i think most people have forgotten it even actually came out but this one the 1978 version is just so brilliant especially with this whole intro where we're watching the spores kind of fly through space it's a great effect we yeah. see that alien home world this yes. barren empty wasteland which i guess is a, a you know a nice way to see that these aliens have destroyed this planet whether it's their home planet we guess not yeah float across the solar winds to our planet where they descend. And we see them land on those plants, you know, become part of, of the plants. And then when we see, obviously, Elizabeth Driscoll, Brooke Adams' character, kind of walk up and pick up the, the, the little plant and start to smell it, 
we see you know we see this lady kind of ushering children into the bushes like take the plant take it home take it to your parents all the while you've got robert duvall in a priest outfit i mean whether robert duvall is the priest or the priest on this swing surrounded by children you're just like that's not creepy at all (laughs) Uh, and the director even said that is the first pod person in existence on the planet and so we know he's he's there's something odd about seeing a priest on the swing in the park. Yeah. But even the way Robert Duvall plays this one tiny little role is enough to go, that's not quite right. Yeah. And so it begins. And so Elizabeth takes the plant home and, you know, she realises that it's a rare plant. And she puts it in a glass jar, doesn't she? Or puts it in a glass and puts it next to her husband overnight. And just lays it there. And then the next morning when she wakes up, like, he's... He's already up. He's already dressed smartly. He's already kind of getting rid of some kind of weird dust pile on the floor and then taking it out to the garbage man and the trash. And the garbage man have this garbage truck full of rubbish. Well, I want to like say... coughed up furballs. Yeah, I want to <laughs> say rubbish, but I can't lie to you, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I was obviously looking into the notes for the movie and they're just like, look, you know, there's a heavy emphasis on the garbage trucks picking up somebody's and, emptied a two-ton vacuum cleaner into the back of it yeah and when you and that's when you start to realize like oh my god they're they're they're, they're already here they're already here they're already practically everywhere but when we're also introduced to donald sutherland's character very funny right off the bat with him walking into the restaurant you know and he's looking around at everything like he's a he's a um you know health and safety representative and he's just what is this what ingredients are in, in this dish? Yeah. Is rat droppings a part of that dish makeup? It's no. a caper. It's rat droppings. It's a caper. We well, won't mind eating it then. Oh, okay. It must be rat droppings. Okay. Uh, so yeah. it immediately sets up this character. Now, in the original script, he was going to be a musician. Right. But I guess they decided to want to change things up a little bit. And uh, giving him this sort of part scientist kind of background yeah um it kind of lends his character more urgency when he realizes you know (laughs) there might be an alien invasion going on but but that's the thing like it's very like i found this completely strange with how natural these characters are like none of them had any real special skills like they were gonna like you know save the world like like we said with with donald sutherland's character like he he's just making sure like the restaurants are obviously making sure that all their food is safe and we just have this kind of weird natural conversation between him and Brooke Adams' character, Elizabeth Driscoll, about how she's noticed that her boyfriend's attitudes are completely changed overnight. So it, it felt weirdly natural. Like we were part of this friendship and we're just listening in, but we know what's happening, what's what's changing. Well, yeah, he's a little bit despondent at first. He's like, mm. so really he's not the person that he went to bed with the night before? He's somebody different? But then later on, he goes, I think, to the, the dry cleaners. Yeah. And uh, the guy's just like, my wife, you're a doctor, right? You need to check my wife. That's yeah. not my wife anymore. Yeah. There's something wrong with her. And he's just like, okay, well, that's the second time today. Yeah. There's something's not quite right. But then there's other scenes, like like we said, the escalation in the background where we're following Elizabeth as she's just walking. And out of nowhere, there's this guy running in the background, runs across the frame, then yeah. runs off. You're like, yeah. what's that about? We n- don't know. No, nothing's, nothing's said. Like, she even, no- she even says at one point she noticed just a change in the city. 
like she was walking along just felt like everything was unsettling and through the camera work as well I'm getting that. Yeah, like, like the, the like the pan across the bus with everybody yeah. looking out the window. It's yeah. like, are they all body snatched, or is it just unsettling anyway? Yeah, like like just taking really natural things in everyday life and putting it on camera, but then giving it this background of this alien invasion to the point where she returns back to Donald Sutherland's character, and she's just like, look, I follow Jeffrey. I'm freaking out. He was just meeting up with strangers. They're carrying these strange objects. And so then you're seeing what she's seeing and say, look, there's something up. And he still, he kind of just kind of pops off like, yeah, no, okay, well, I'll, I'll take you to my friend, Leonard Nimoy, you know, and he'll, he'll talk you through. He's a psychologist. Now, I, I don't know if like, maybe I'd seen it um, previously and I'd forgotten um, before I'd watched the movie again, but like I've always seen Leonard Nimoy in this as evil, like right off the bat. I don't know what it is. Like if he's not wearing pointy ears, maybe it's because I saw a Mission Impossible and he was evil in that. But like <laughs> if he's not Spock, I cannot trust him. Fair. I mean, it's it's the, we know that the pod people have no emotions and they're almost like automatons. They're just doing their work. But uh, when we first meet Leonard Nimoy in this, uh, he's playing Dr. David Kibner, mm. and he writes self-help books. So he's all about getting people to uh, to look look inward and make their lives better. And he's he's convincing this other lady when we first meet him that that she's she's hysterical. Of course, your husband's still the same person he was yesterday, and of course, he's not been replaced by a by a doppelganger. And so, as an audience, we know he's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's but he point. definitely still seems to have friendships and an emotional bond with 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 Matthew, yes, like Donald yes. Sutherland's character. So I wouldn't say he's def definitely been taken at this point, but he definitely does get taken off screen because there is a scene later on where we see him get into a car with people we know are are, are pod people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then again, there's sequences earlier in the film where his mannerisms, where it's questionable. You're like, is he the thing or not the thing? Especially when he meets up the, with the, the Bellakex. Yes, yes. Jeff Goldblum and Veronica Cartwright. I mean, they, it's like at this party sequence. I mean, Jeff Goldblum is so young and so just full of life. You can just see he was amazing even back then. You know, just trying to talk to people. And you have that moment where... Um, Leonard Nimoy kind of lashes out at him while he's trying to talk to Elizabeth's character and he's talking about emotion and I totally get the fact of like because I, I even question it like oh no he can't be he can't be like a pod person because he's lashing out there but I'm like mm, these pod people could have been here for a while they could be slowly adapting emotions might be just something that they need to create they don't know how to make emotions yet so he might be smarter. I, for me, you're adding stuff that's not in the film. I, maybe, maybe I am. Like I said, I just don't trust him. But then when you come across the Bellicex, you know, and Veronica Cartwright is just so brilliant. To think like a year after this, she'll be an alien. Right. You know, <laughs> two back-to-back like, -back successes. Two back-to-back -back <laughs> successes of sci-fi. You know, I know she went on to do stuff in X-Files as well. Like this, this actress, this, oh, just absolutely amazing. But she's running the kind of steam bath, the mud baths. And and Jeff Goldblum comes back and explains about how the party was a bit shit. You know, he got lashed at by fucking Spock. Um, and she has this weird, strange encounter with one of their customers. And then when he's gone, you come across, like, the formation of a pod person. Like, 
Jeff Goldblum had fallen asleep in another room and now this pod is becoming him. Now how far do these things have to be? Like they don't seem to have to be in direct contact. They just have to be in kind of a mile radius. They, like 30 no, they, meters, they, 50 meters? they definitely need to be in physical contact with you. They need to touch you in well, order to start the... Well, I you want to say that, but there's a sequence later on where there's a bunch of pod people in the gardens and Elizabeth is in like a completely different room. Well, they'd already kind of sampled her. I guess they already knew her DNA and were just recreating it. See, again. now you're just adding things on top of the story. Well, I mean, things in the film. There was a pod there that was birthing her, so and we know it was tr attempting it earlier. But then, like I said, it's like how how much contact do these things need to be? Because when when Jeff Goldblum kind of is freaked out by Veronica Cartwright screaming, they come across the body, and obviously she's she's trying to contact you know, Matthew and trying to get him to come and look at it. And so he decides he wants to bring Leonard Nimoy to come and have a look at it as well. But at this point, we don't know that they just need to go to sleep. As soon as these people go to sleep, it's like a psychic connection thing. As soon as they go to sleep, the pod starts to kind of extract yeah, but yeah. it also means you kind of have to go to sleep next to a pod or go to sleep and have a pod person put the pod next to you. You know, well, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't see these pods getting on legs and walking their way to where you're sleeping. Well, so. I, I, I don't know this. This thing that we see on the bed, it's not. It's not a pod, is it? It's a. It's a man. Well, I mean, it's, it's. It's. It's got arms and legs. It's just got no fingers. It just hasn't anything. finished. It's just generating hasn't. itself. Yet. And 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 Jeff Goldblum goes and sleeps in a completely different bed, and this thing wakes up. You know, so as soon as he closes his eyes. This thing wakes up as soon as this thing, as soon as Jeff Goldblum wakes up, this thing goes back to sleep. And I'm like, how much, how much distance? Well, how do these things work? You know, like I get the idea of a plant, you know, absorbing these things, but they don't seem to have to fully need physical contact to start to, to make them. Oh, I think they absolutely need the physical contact to start. I think they do. Well, it's just like that scene in the bathhouse with Jeff Goblin when he's by his, like, his pod man person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the white hairs on it almost, like, magnetise to him. Like, they need that contact in yeah. order to, to keep it going. I totally agree with that. That's how I imagine these things. They need physical contact. But then sometimes you see in certain sequences the pods are, like, in completely different vicinity. And it appears to be, like, a weird psychic connection that, you know, once the, the, the husk is gone... The, the, the pod person then deals with it, cleans it up, and, and off they go. But they, they contact uh, Dr. Kidner to come and have a look, Leonard Nimoy, and he kind of walks in, and the body's gone. Well, that's a coincidence, that's, isn't it? That's how I'm like. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, really? we can already hear the, uh, the garbage truck in the back. Yeah, ready yeah, well, to scoop up the remains. Well, that's it. Did, did, did they get rid of the body? Did they get rid of these things that aren't fully constructed? And they just get another pod. I'd imagine out? so. Yeah, to cover you it know? up. Yeah. You know, can you make more? Can you make more than one person through a couple of pods? No, because the original person disintegrates afterwards. It's like it absorbs all the well, nutrients out of them well, to create the new version. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. That's how I also feel. It's like it, it absorbs everything other than the emotions. Because it also takes they've... their memories and everything else. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then Elizabeth is, is escorted home um, by, by the police and, and her husband, you know, because, like, she, she knows there's something. We know. Everybody fucking knows that there's something wrong with the husband and that they are literally just going to turn into a pod person. 
but it's 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 you know the authority they control all the stuff now and they're just like no she has to go home and it's then down to matthew to obviously realize that he has to obviously rescue her so he he he, he rushes all the way back and breaks in and and it's kind of weird as well like her husband is trying to do normal things like listen to the, the tv with his headphones on yeah and anyway, of course if you ever see anybody watching this old tv station <laughs> you think there's definitely something wrong but he's watching an old weather station yeah, yeah. which is just filming all of these uh these readouts and dials yeah but yeah you're just like yeah clearly an alien like, no, no human would clearly watch this channel for entertainment <laughs> but it's one of my favorite shots in the entire film though mm. uh where uh where he hides in the like in the closet yeah and just get that beam of light as he steps into it yeah i love the fact that the, the husband came into um angle with the mirror yes and the mirror is and it cuts back to the cupboard shot i was like oh man this is brilliant yeah. such good camera work oh there's some really great cinematography there's a sequence earlier where there's like six of them in a room all all uh, conversing about what to do it's the scene afterwards yeah yeah uh, when the police turn up and they're just like where where is my wife oh she's been taken away actually i don't want to press charges everything's fine Police officers like what's going on here? Yeah. Really? But it's the way that they like they said when they were making the film that this scene could have taken days and days to shoot it all, but they decided they were going to do it like that one day and just free handheld camera work. Yeah. But the thing is, the camera work is so well done. The way that it it fluidly moves and it captures and it pans and zooms with the action as the beats of the conversation are going. Yeah. Uh, that it, it's seamless. You almost don't notice how good this cinematography is. Yeah. Now, there is one scene in the film as well that uh, it, it, I, I'm glad it's there. And yeah. It has brought up some questions as to whether is this actually a sequel or is it a, uh, a reimagining? I like to think it's a continuation. Yeah. A continuation. Now, uh, it's the fact that we've, they've recast Kevin McCarthy. Yes. yes. Uh, who played Matthew Burnell in the uh, original yeah. movie. Yes. And that film, in the end, has him running, screaming that they're here. Well, you're next. It has that, but it also has like typical 1950s fashion of the American government finding out about it and kind of mobilizing, you know, to shut it them, down. Yeah. You know, which is kind of the opposite to what we get in this film. So so it's like they cut off that bit and have him doing his fearful. So chant. for 22 years, he's been running around telling everyone that they're here. That they're here. And they've been slowly, slowly taking over small and more and more towns of America to the point <laughs> where like he, he, he sees them, he scares the guys. It's a great jump scare. And then he runs around the corner and he's hit by a car. Well, we don't actually see, I mean, we hear a car screech and there's a thud, but yeah, so it's kind of implied. Yeah, kind of implied. Yeah. But it's the fact that as they drive past, as Matthew and Elizabeth come past, they look around the corner. Nobody's scared. Nobody's freaking out. They're kind of just gathered around. It's like it was in, possibly intentional. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he was emotionally... Of course, or a, a pod person just took him out for yeah. whatever reason. Ex but yeah. you've been causing trouble for 22 years. <laughs> God damn it. You knew we should have gotten you earlier. Well, we've... But no, he's... I'm just going to close that one off by saying he's not actually credited with the same name as he no, was in the no. original. Yeah. He's credited as the running man yeah. in this. So, oh, fair enough. But it was just a nice nice sequence yeah uh, to have him redo that moment for this yeah film. like i like i said i i see it as the continuation and and it's it's slowly getting worse and worse with the movie because like we've had the people at the dry cleaners like the man's just like it's okay now it's okay and so matthew's just like oh you're fine now are you and you're like and the audience like no he's not fine get out of there but then when you're getting the grouping together you know of of, of the bellicax you know uh, elizabeth and matt 
you know, heading, they go to, they go to Leonard Nimoy's house to seek help. Because obviously they, they seriously need him to answer the questions of why they, they are feeling like this. And like he leaves them alone, doesn't he? And you know, they, they a lot of them haven't slept in days. So they start to kind of just fall asleep. And I totally, like I said, I totally get what you're saying about the, the things needing physical contact. But well, I suppose as well, I suppose if they've already had physical contact and then you just put another pod away from them because like Matthew falls asleep in the garden and we see the white hairs kind of lurch up and latch onto his hand and so obviously his pod starts to construct his version but then obviously Jeff Golem and Veronica Cartwright they're in the front room of the house and he starts to fall under the spell as well with the pod Elizabeth's up in bed as well and her pod starts to take her and it's Veronica Cartwright who kind of freaks out and wakes Matthew up Matthew! And we see all the bodies, they're unfinished, they're starting to, you know, start to cry because they're obviously dying. I, I completely forgot the gore effect of him killing one. Oh yeah, I mean the film was X-rated for uh, for for a reason. <laughs> like one gore shot. Yeah, though. no, I mean it's not particularly gore, but it is because it, because there's been none up until this point. Yeah, it kind of does catch you off guard. Yeah, as he crushes the skull of this pod person. I also think it's interesting that uh, in I don't think in any of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies they call them pod people. <laughs> no, no we, just, we just made it up because they. Because that's out, what they are, yeah. They come out of pods. <laughs> but this is when that, like, we really start to n see how, like, there is nobody left. Like, they start to make the cry. They start to make the run. You know, we we have our our four heroes, and they 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 have to run. They have to run for their lives. Well, yeah, and uh, they end up. I think they end up back at the bathhouse. Yeah, well, yeah, they start to run away from the mob, but Jeff Goldblum and, uh, decides that he, he wants to distract them to give the That's guys right. a chance to, to escape. But when he runs away, Veronica Cartwright follows after him, and it's now just left down to Matthew and Elizabeth be on their, on their own. And um, they've had an interesting relationship throughout the film, because obviously she was married to begin with, but she did spend a lot of time uh, with Donald Sutherland's character. And, you know, they, as, as the events have unfolded, the two of them have gotten closer and closer together, where when they do end up getting captured by Leonard Nimoy, yeah. and, and after both of them have also taken some speed, because they, they, yeah, they, they want to make sure they don't go to sleep. That's it, they, make, they head their way back to the, the lab, don't they? That's because right. It, at first, they try to get into a, a taxi to take them to the airport. Could bring up it's a cameo appearance there that's the director of the original movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and then he 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 lures them into a, a police checkpoint and they escape and they head back to their their lab and they find that the this um the speed they've also seen the homeless person outside with the pod which is very interesting scene we uh yeah he ends up accidentally well deliberately breaking the pod and that would cause a weird mutation later on. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really strange because we we then get obviously Mr. Spock and the husband turn up again to obviously uh, with Jeff Goldblum who is now a full-on pod person, and he, he says to these guys like you know we're going to try to um, you know you need to come with us, but they they they, they fight off actually the the, uh, the the group that's holding them hostage and they actually kill. Jeff Goldblum's character, which is quite shocking because as they start to make their way down the corridor, they come across Veronica Cartwright, um, you know, his wife. And she says that she's looking for her husband. And 
Matt doesn't tell her that he's dead. He basically says to her, like, look, we'll help you find him. And they head outside and, and, and Veronica Cartwright explains, like, you know, if you're completely emotionless, you can get past them. They're not very smart. So they tried to walk outside, but then fucking Elizabeth, <laughs> she sees one dog face person. And there's a breakdown. Oh. <laughs> Such a great sequence. Like, is that a dog with a mask on? Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, it's, it's, just... it's the fact that they had the, the slit of the mouth so yeah. the dog tongue could come yeah. out of it, which is the weirdest part of it, really. So so, so, so the pod person made a dog which took on uh, the traits of the human face. Because the pod was broken, it kind of malfunctioned. It's like, the genetics. I, I don't like, know how like it is, works, but yeah. Yeah, like, if you're like, is the human in there as well? Or is there I a, guess so. Or is there a human pod person walking around with a dog face? Maybe. Like, <laughs> I know I'm just adding things onto the movie there. It's the whole Mars Attacks thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was one really, uh, like, pivotal scene there, really, with Leonard Nimoy. And he's the one who basically delivers some, some exposition as to what the aliens yes. are really all about. Yes. And we find out that they are a hive mind, essentially. Uh, like, uh, and, and he explains that be, being a part of their society, this pod person society, uh, there is no pain. There is no grief. There is no love. There is no hate. Um, it strips all of those things away so that we can all work as one for the planet. But, you know, humans were like, no, fuck that. <laughs> we well, want our choice. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we want our choice to fuck things up. Because you are you are essentially not you anymore. You exactly. the, the, yeah, that is the existential are, nightmare. You are dead. The yeah. pod person is it's now just taking over you. It has your memories, it, it's but the, it's not you. Well, that's it. It's the idea that these things obviously uh, they 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 waste all the resources on the planet, and then they'll just send their spores back into space again, like so, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So like so like. Even these pod so people... They're will, no better. <laughs> yeah, they will die at some point, but to them, they don't feel anything for that. There's no emotion to it. Yeah. Um, but it, weirdly enough, there is emotion when they actually go into that alert mode, you know, because as soon as Elizabeth sees the dog, she gets freaked out again. The two of them try to escape, and everybody starts screaming and pointing at them and freaking out. And they come across the distribution plant, don't they? That's right. They hide in the back of a truck and escape, and then they come across this whole factory, which... That much like in the original movie, you know, and much like in the 1993 Army movie, once everybody gets taken over, they're literally just creating pods and sending them off to yeah. ships. Yeah, you and, see them being loaded on the cargo containers. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's the fact that as we're following Matt earlier in the film, calling governors, calling senators, calling anyone he can get in contact with to tell them what's going on, them going, this is ludicrous, you're going to cause a panic, even mm. if what you're saying could possibly be real, it's not happening. Yeah. And it's either because all those people have already been taken over by pods. Or they just don't believe so it. So there was no way of getting the authorities. I mean, it's not like they had the internet. There's no YouTube. They couldn't yeah. have filmed it and sent it to people going, look, this shit's real. This shit's real. Um, and so fake the news, fact that the, the, the planes, you know, you can't fly out, you can't drive out, you can't sail out. There is no escape from this city yeah uh, and you feel that 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 sense of dread I, once the entire town or city is, seems to be chasing you yeah I, I started to feel that especially towards this ending of the the movie because like you know, obviously i knew how the movie ended anyway m many times but it was the fact that this time i paid close attention to the sound in the background the way the city changed the way the people changed the way this things just 
by by the end of this mo uh, by the end of this moment where they're at this factory, it's literally just these two people now. I mean, Veronica Cartwright's out there just freaking out, but he he's just like, look, we have to do as much damage as we can. And part of me just kind of feels like, what's what's the point? Like, did you are literally going to be like a pin drop? And he, like he leaves Elizabeth out in the reeds, and he's just like, look, stay here, and she's really tired. So like, I wonder, like, did somebody? bring a pod to her was there one already out there because when he returns in a minute like she'd already she's already changed but he goes into this factory and he he smashes everything up <laughs> he grabs that axe doesn't he the moment he grabs the axe oh, the, the axe alarm thing. goes off like, shit just... don't work like that axes <laughs> are not alarmed like somebody's made this factory going we're gonna put this axe here and just in case a human turns up and tries to use it against us we're gonna alarm it you're right well, maybe they do something. They do things differently in San Francisco in the seventies. But yeah, the moment he grabs that axe, the alarm goes off. Everyone's aware of him, and he just starts cutting down all the lights. Yes, which yes. fall into the pods, causing electrical sparks, fires, and explosions. Yeah, it looks great, but if there's like five more fucking factories, you know, behind you. Yeah, but I mean, that's the other thing. Is like we we know because like it being the 70s we don't have like the internet again yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't know whether these spores landed over the entire planet or if they just landed in, in san, san francisco, francisco we yeah. don't really know don't i know. kind of think they landed globally anyway well yeah but, I, uh, I guess they still need to ship them here there and everywhere I, still i go with the idea that obviously that the, the black and white version happened the guy wasn't stopped and the pods have been distributed and but still more spores are coming down over the time you know he he returns to elizabeth and she's she she kind of breaks down in front of him doesn't he he's hugging her and all of her nutrients and all of her life force or whatever has kind of been drained out of her and we literally just watch this husk just kind of happen in on himself and it's just enough to break Donald Sutherland's mind. You've you've slowly slowly just watched more and more wear down as the movie's gone down to this point now where he sees Elizabeth. He does love Elizabeth, but that's not Elizabeth. You know, and she explains to him, come with us, you know, and he's like, no, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> and he he, he he tries to escape and she's freakingly fucking rush, rushing after him naked, fucking screaming at him. And it, well, it cuts to the next day, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we see the... I guess life after humanity, after humans have been wiped out. Yeah. We see everyone doing their normal daily jobs, but nobody's talking to each other. No. Nobody's really energized. or in, People are just in their familiar... Just, like zombies. You, you know, they've yeah. just gone there because they know this place. You just know it. And but we, we do follow, we do catch up with Matthew, who's also in his office... And we're just like, mm, maybe he's Shaun of the Deading it, you know? He's just pretending to be one of them, like, it, it like he was come, taught earlier. It does kind of come across like that, partially. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he gets in the in the line of people as they're walking through the corridors. Yeah. Uh, outside. I and mean, he, he even stops and sees Elizabeth, doesn't he? And kind of yeah. tries to just look at her. And I, I thought to myself, like... Why is he doing that? Is he still living the memories of yeah. what? Well, he sees he... them off in the elevator. Yeah. He ends up outside and 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 that is where Nancy comes up to him like, Matthew, you're you're alive, you're okay. And that ending. Like <laughs> Yeah. Now Bless like Nancy Cartwright because the, the director would do the same trick to her a year later with Alien and just go, let's not tell the actors what's going to happen. Yeah, I thought that and was And get a real authentic, authentic reaction. reaction. So, yeah. 
Uh, Nancy Cartwright had no idea what the ending of the film was. All she knew was he had to be here, yeah. call out his name and go up to him. And so her first reaction of the point and the thing yeah. was uh, the real horrified reaction is what's in the film. And it's, uh, I mean, it definitely helps. It I mean, it does break down works. into an over-the-top kind of reaction. No, but it's like, still warranted. Is it? Is it? Because, like, I, I like to think of where she's been. She's escaped that, that night and she's tried to hide among people. Like, stayed do, awake all night Do as pod well. people still eat? Like, do, we didn't really see any of them eat or drink or do anything. Do, 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 do these plants need need sustenance like that are they still plants i mean we <laughs> saw blood but are they just plant people now so she can't just walk into a shop and pick up food and feed herself in front of people because everyone will be like <gasps> you know she has to so she's been hiding like we don't need we don't we say this is the next day we don't know if it's actually next day it could have been like a week she could have been hiding yeah, absolutely so me watching her breakdown here and and the way the movie just ends no music <laughs> it's so weird to not have any music at the end of a film well, and that was because the uh, the the guy that they got to record the music for the film, yeah, uh, Danny Danny Zitlin, the composer, he's an American jazz pianist, and this is the only film score he's ever done. Right, uh, and he said that it was you know it took a lot of work to do. Yeah, never yeah. felt like he could do something like that again. But he never was told to record music for the end. So, <laughs> but I know I guess having that chilling silence, yeah. over the end is just perfect, really, it, it does considering really work. how dire the ending is for all of us yeah. if it you know <laughs> well Ian what were your favourite or memorable scenes from the film oh I've got a few ah oh, man I really loved the opening sequence I just I, I was really surprised maybe I'd just forgotten that like the film just really just tells you right off the offset like they're here and the way you just watch them come down and they, they take over the plant and then obviously you've got Robert Duvall on the swing and everything just kind of sets off all of these things in uh, motion I love anything involving the garbage trucks anytime you see a garbage truck in the background or you hear the audio while somebody's talking you just know that that's like Maybe another hundred odd people, two hundred odd people that have just been, you know. Um, I love the sequence uh, with with the the pod person getting his head smashed in. Like I was really, I, I totally forgotten how gory it was, you know. And it's like really the only blood you see in the movie, which I mean, the other pod person has a nosebleed. <laughs> that's about it. But it's it's just enough to kind of, it's really kind of visceral and violent compared to and it shocks you which in weird which is weird because i'm watching this terrifying movie of these people being turned into pods <laughs> but the movie's kind of been so subtly easing me in that seeing this blood i'm almost as shocked like <laughs> um like you said i loved mr spock's explanation of why you should join them and become pod people it's kind of welcoming kind of warming but you have to remind yourself that you are not you anymore you are dead and it is it um and he, he it's just trying to work out what his character is because he's emotional he's kind of lulling you in to accept it so he's like the head pod person like he's the smartest pod person to kind of lure all the humans in i i don't know it's, it's too much to think about at the end of the day um, I love the absolute ending. I, I think I love that from the moment um, maybe the four of them start to be chased 
by the mob all the way through to the escape, trying to stay awake, um, and then the, the changing of Elizabeth at the end. I mean, boobs are awesome. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah, like I said, Matthew just kind of put his finger up at Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of inclined to agree with you as well that uh, the beginning of the film really sets up everything really, really well. I would say I think the first act of this film is, mm. is for me, the, the strongest part. The way that everything is still just off kilter, just enough mm. for you to notice things. Um, but yeah, I really... Uh, Really enjoyed the uh, the opening sequence. Uh, there was a, a scene as well that I really liked between uh, Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams when the, the two characters are sort of out in the woods or out somewhere uh, eating Chinese food. Right, right, yeah, And he's yeah. just like, I think you're crazy. Do the eye thing to prove to me oh, you're not crazy. Yeah. And she does this curious little thing. Weird. <laughs> it's fucking, weird. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, you know what, these two... And, and I was like, oh, but these two are not a couple? No. But of course there's, you know, but obviously she's married. History. But then... As the film goes on, their relationship blossoms. They do love each other. They confess their love. And that is why the sequence when she disintegrates in his arms mm. is absolutely heartbreaking. And also one of my most memorable scenes. Because you do feel bad. Like there was some hope at some point in this film that maybe they could figure things out. And, uh, and no, no, just crumbling dust. Yeah. I, I, I loved um, uh, Kevin McCarthy's cameo appearance. They're already here. Yeah, I love that. You're next. Next. You're next. I love that cameo appearance. That was great. Great moment in the film. Uh, I loved uh, Donald Sutherland hiding in the closet. Yes. The shot of him just stepping yeah, forward in that, that light. That was yeah. great. Um, I love the dog-human hybrid because that's just so like what other monstrosities have been birthed by this alien invasion that we've yeah. not yet seen. Yeah. <laughs> like like we said, the the opening of the film, the the the, the developing paranoia stages, like when we see the cleaner just polishing the floor, just stood there. Mm. The shot of the of the bus. Uh, the 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 paranoia. The camera just starts spinning around uh, in the city square. I was like, yeah, those moments were great. Uh, and yeah, you already said it. That ending, like that, is one of the most impactful, memorable endings I think in cinema. It's it's definitely right right up there. Yeah. Well, Ian, do you recommend this version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Uh, yes, I think I'll always recommend all versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies um like obviously the thing kind of trumps it personally but it's this version it's just so good it just you you just can't beat this director's you know use of the camera use of the audio like he has the actors just so natural they're not like superstars you know they're not trying to overham their characters they're just Oh, so natural, and so you're you're lulled into thinking that by the end of this movie, everything's going to be okay. It's not. It really isn't. And the ending is just such a punch in the face that 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 you're 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 left with this feeling at the end, like what you've just watched was really bad. But it was so good that you just want to go back and watch it again, and again, and again, and again. Hell yeah, this is an easy recommendation. It's a must-watch sci-fi horror masterclass in paranoia and suspense. It's one of the best alien invasion films ever made. It's a refreshing remake that really delivers on what the creative team set out to achieve that's still incredibly effective today. The casting was terrific, a great ensemble, brilliant performances that give these characters humanity the thing the aliens aim to strip away. 
You really care for this friendship circle, their love for each other, which really matters as they face this horrifying and nightmarish premise. The cinematography and lighting is fantastic. Eerie, lingering shots, moody half-light, shadows and frenetic handheld camera work really developing the atmosphere of paranoia and dread. The editing is seamless, the effects minimal and shocking, and the soundtrack works within the film to create that brooding, growing alien menace that crescendos into the chase scenes and the climax. The film has a great pace, some awesome existential body horror, and an ending that can never be forgotten. It's iconic, and this is a classic. It's a must-watch. But for now, sleep. Sleep. And be born into a world without fear and pain. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.